2: they can't go on. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 28th of February, 2011. Newcomers, look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, and hopefully you can help yourself to a lot of audios I've put up there over the years, where I try and show you this incredibly Massive pyramid of structural organization which rules over every individual soul on the planet, and to show you that democracy is bogus, and that you're under an authoritarian system of very rich people, and they put on board with them academia. In fact, they gave academia uh, their the curriculums and all the rest of it. They made sure of that. They got the right books to always indoctrinate the next generation of management over the people. And we're going through a planned societal change in, in, in the system where literally they hope to bring in their wonderful utopia in the future, maybe 30 years down the road. But don't hang on thinking, well, I'm okay, it will take 30 years. Now you only see massive changes day by day, week by week, as we go through this massive organizational change of societal structure. And you're living right through it now. One of the greatest events ever to happen because... Um, If they ever had a Tower of Babel, it was nothing compared to what's coming up right now. We're living through these actual phases of it. So remember, too, that you're the audience who bring me to you. So if you want to order the discs and the books I have for sale, and it's up to you if you want to support me or not, uh, you can donate or you can purchase the books and so on. From the U.S. to Canada, you'll find on the website cuttingthroughmetrics.com how to do it. You can use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada. You can use an international postal money order from the post office from the U.S. You can also send cash and PayPal again to order or donate. Just use the donation button you'll find on the com site and follow it with an email and your name, address and order. And I'll get it out to you. I don't give you the usual bunkum of history. Always written by the conquerors. There's only one set of conquerors across the whole planet. And that's a fact. It's not diverse groups, believe you me. And... Um, I don't go through the times, dates, and generals, and all that stuff, and flag-waving, and brass bands. I just tell you and show you the cons that they pull of governance, and this is a very ancient technique of governing the minds of peoples. There's been many empires before us, believe you me, many empires, run by the same characters, and now it's their descendants who are running the whole planet, and they know the arts of running the the public mind and how to control it and how to condition every generation to serve them very, very well. It's a very old technique, high sciences, of course, and um, it's perfected today because they have such a massive tax base across the world to draw on to ensure that those in academia have their indoctrination. See, their their first motto is you've got to indoctrinate the manager class before you indoctrinate the people, and the managers make sure that we get the right indoctrination. It's as simple as that. But as I say, it's not democratic. They love to use that banner to get us all on board with the little games across the world, but in fact, there's no democracy at all. They've admitted that, we're post... Democratic, we're an authoritarian system because democracy is too cumbersome, too many factions fighting for power and they can't get the big agenda through fast enough. It upsets their big business plan. From the, remember across the rest of the world too, you can use Western Union to order or MoneyGram or again PayPal. Use the nation button and send it with a, follow it with an email with your name and address and the order and I'll get it out to you. And remember too, straight donations are certainly welcome because they just trickle in once in a while and the costs here are very, very high. As a dollar plummets uh, through uh, quantitative easing, which is inflation, uh, then of course there's less and less uh, purchasing power with every dollar. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Talking about the big picture, the big world in which we think we live and all the things we think we know about it and the nonsense we're fed by the media to make sure they keep us in the box, inside the box and most folk are inside the box, they're thoroughly domesticated and nothing really shocks them anymore and that's interesting in itself that nothing does shock them anymore. It's interesting to to see the articles that float across my desktop every day. And I I know why people send them to me, because they're shocking to them. But to read them on the air wouldn't be shocking enough, because most folk are so jaded, they've adapted into the dehumanized system in which we now live. And I had one about an abortion doctor uh, who was caught literally scissoring the heads of babies coming out of the womb. And stuff like that, that means nothing anymore. Uh, unfortunately, most folk out there, they're too far gone. They've had a, a, had a generation growing up on video games and slaughter and blood and guts, uh, mainly to go into the military for this particular period. And that's why they were raised like that, with the lowest possible uh, morality. Even though they say there's no morality at all, it's all moral relativism, who benefits. As long as someone benefits, that's Okay. And it seems the troops don't mind who ends up with oil fields across uh, the Middle East uh, as long as they get the little tin medals when they come home because they want to be somebody, you see. So we're living in the system now where folk are jaded. Contamination is a term the communists used uh, to do with liberalism, and uh, it's been very, very effective. I think Yuri Bezmenov talked about that too, and I put his links up on my archive section a couple of years ago, I think where you can hear him talking about the system and how the U.S. public were being dumbed down from academia on down. And uh, certain uh, selected professors were embedded in the universities to make sure that they pushed this particular form of degeneracy. And that's what we, we are in today, degeneracy. Nothing shocks us anymore. Everything's okay. And as long as I'm okay, then everything's okay. Again, that ties in with Lord Bertrand Russell, who said, well, she'll create an, an egocentric, narcissistic society, everyone in love with themselves and no one else, you see. And that works so beautifully when you want to conquer whole nations. No one stands up with anyone else or for anyone else because, you see, you feel you've got nothing in common with them. I'm okay. I'm okay. So why worry about them? Was also being fed so much war stuff from media, even from the Vietnam era onwards, until people got jaded with that too. They got fed up watching the napalm bombs raining down on people and burning them when they were eating their dinners, and it was another yawn. And then they'd turn on the television to some other station and watch some other bit of fiction, because everything became fictional to them, and that was part of the dehumanisation process. Uh, on, a, on the public's mind, it makes them, it gives them a dissociative feeling. They're not really part of reality anymore. Everything's blurred in a kaleidoscope of, of kind of entertaining horror. And uh, I've gone through too about the big meetings I've had with the G20 and so on, and talking about how the Royal Institute of International Affairs were the ones who dreamed up the idea of creating. These big organizations, they're again non-democratic because the public uh, of the countries these prime ministers and presidents represent are never asked their opinion uh, or even given a vote uh, to see if these organizations, which are supranational, should even exist. Even though the the treaties they end up binding themselves with uh, affect us all. Never mentioned like the G20. So they came up with these committees and, and groups of 20s and, and groups of eight and so on, the standard method of the Milner Road Society that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Dash Council on Foreign Relations. It's quite amazing to watch how they, they do it all. So tonight I'm putting up a link where you'll hear the Prime Minister of Canada, uh, and I've mentioned this before from a different um, uh, documentary. It was done on the G20 that they had in Toronto. But it's the same, uh, you hear him saying uh, that people won't like losing their sovereignty, but we need a form of world government, and he says that's what this is all basically about. So from the horse's mouth, there you go. Not that it will matter to most folk, they sort of yawn, "Uh uh-huh, okay, because they're not involved in any reality anymore themselves, except the pressure groups which are generally funded, the NGOs, they're funded by the big boys themselves, they're told what to protest and, I'll, and as I say, I'll put that to link up tonight and you can have a look at it for yourselves and see what you think of it. I'll, I'm also putting up another one I've also put up before. It was called Human Resources Social Engineering and it goes through a lot of the early experimentation up to more recent experimentation on babies right to adults and the general public for psychology and control and conditioning. Uh, it's interesting to watch it to create the perfectly dumbed-down, domesticated society that we have today. Because, you see, once you understand how things work and triggers work and so on, you can then direct society. It's very easy to direct the mass man as opposed to the distinct individual. A distinct, self-aware individual is very difficult to to control and guide and prompt, as Mr. Um, uh, Sunstein would say. So... I'll put those links up after tonight's show. And it's quite fascinating, as I say. Australia, too, is is really spearheading in the Far East the, the, the movement towards sustainable development, which is Agenda 21, also called the Millennium Project. Uh, for the United Nations and it's under the United Nations Decade of Education for Sustainable Development 2005 it started big time to 2014 by 2014 they hope to have a whole pretty well upcoming generation brainwashed to be little greenies and and to believe that the green world should rule their life the whole green agenda should rule their lives and there'll be little Nazis and so on but you got a lot of links Uh, to uh, what it's all about for Australia. New Zealand's the same, but all the British Commonwealth countries are the same too. Same agenda. They all have their members of the CFR, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, in all of these countries. And I've I've known this before, that certain politicians are immune to charges that affect everyone else, legal charges, I remember in Britain there was a lord, a British lord, who wh- wh- he smashed his car into a lamppost to leave one night in London. It sozzled out his head. He absolutely completely he, could, he couldn't artic- articulate his name. He, he, he was gone. And his secretary was in the passenger car at the time, and the, he was charged with drunk driving. And once he sobered up, the next day he was in the, the newspaper saying, I'll get off with this. And um, sure enough, about a week later, he was on the front page of the newspapers with his big cigar, saying, I told you so, they can't touch us. It's a different set of laws for these characters. And the U.S. pretty well is copied after the British system. If it didn't originally start that way, it certainly caught up very quickly to exactly the same as the British system, because they have their House of the Senate, and it's the same as the House of the Lords. And here's an article here to show you how how this is done. Arizona Senate leaders avoid arrest after a fight with his girlfriend. It says, Arizona Senate Majority Leader Scott Brundgard was involved in an apparent scuffle with his girlfriend Aubrey Ballard last night as a couple returned from a local charity event. That's great what charity does to you. You end up fighting like cats and dogs, eh? Phoenix police say they responded to call the man pulling a woman out of a car next to the median northbound on State Route 51 south of Cactus Road on Friday just after 11 p.m. When officers responded to the scene, they determined that individuals were involved. who were involved were Senator Scott Bungard, 43, and his girlfriend Aubrey Michelle Ballard, who was 34. So they arrived in the scene and found that both Bungard and Ballard had marks suggesting a physical altercation, According to Phoenix Police Spokesman, Sergeant Tommy Thompson, uh, Vanguard was not detained because he has immunity from arrest while the legislator later is in session. However, prosecutors will review the case and could file charges at a later date, uh, Thompson said, but that won't happen, as you know. So he, wh- while the legislator is in session, they can't prosecute any of these characters for, for whatever they do. However, the girlfriend was booked into a Maricopa County Jail. She faces one count of domestic violence uh, and assault. So she's charged, and uh, she was in jail for 17 days. But, um, as I say, a senator isn't bound by the same laws that affect everyone else. must be quite something for that to happen. But you understand it's a Masonic institution. I don't think people really realize this. And under the law, you must be tried by a jury of your peers. And that's why none of these characters end up in a normal court. Because ordinary people, the public as they call them, uh, they have a lot of worse names for them, but they call them the public, just to be polite. Uh, And that's not very polite either, the word public. But anyway, uh, they cannot try and, and convict someone of a higher rank. So their own peer group obviously would not find them guilty. That's why they don't end up being guilty in anything. Same in Britain as well. They can do whatever they want. And this character and his girlfriend had a real fracas, and the clothes were thrown out of the car and a whole bit, and I think they were both punching each other. And um, there you go. But you and I, would that'd be on your record forever. And... Uh, uh, it'd be quite something else. And the feminists would have a great time at, uh, at this too. I wonder if they'll even bother with this one. It'll depend what their chiefs who are paid, of course, by the big boys say. It's quite something, as I say, this world that we live in today. And corruption, you see, will become more and more blatant as, as this crew at the top uh, are so into their, their new feudal system You understand, it's a feudal system, just like it was in the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, you could take any wench that you wanted, if you were a baron or a king or a lord, and you could kill anybody too, uh, uh, any any serf, and there was no laws whatsoever about doing so. It was quite all right. And you used to have various laws about first night and all that. I'll go into that when I come back from this break, because it ties in with something that's happened recently. Hi, folks, we're back. This is cutting through the Matrix talking about feudalism. Because in feudalism, it was a a great old time for those in power because they had unlimited power. Uh, They were the law, basically. And the morality that they they practiced themselves was totally different from that of the public who were kept in line by the big church and so on. And uh, it's interesting to see, as I say, feudalism how they could, they could the, the baron could grab women and so on. Children too didn't make any difference. Uh, you'd rape them, have sex with them, kill them uh, if, if they needed to or wanted to or to uh, some sort of uh, turned them on, whatever. And this has really been the history of those up near up to the top. They get very bored, you see, and when they get bored, they just deviant things to their minds, or maybe they're just deviant to begin with, and to and bred with their deviancies. Personally, I think it's the latter. And I think that will always be the case. A little while back, of course, we had Prince Andrew and um, uh, his his various fracas with Fergie, his ex-wife, I think it is, uh, who was taking, she was saying that you get $500,000 would get you an interview with Prince Andrew, who at that time was ambassador to Britain for big, big contracts for the British government. So this backhanders and uh, under the table cash and all the rest of it going on, that's normal business for those near the top. And uh, it's interesting here, this latest nonsense has happened, because I was thinking of um, Roman Polanski, because Roman Polanski skipped the U.S. when uh, young girls were being procured for him to have sex with, I think Jack Nicholson was even mentioned in it in an interview with one of the women who have now grown up, she was about 12 when it happened, and Nicholson Took her from a set and took her all the way to Polanski's home so they could have sex with her. Well, that thing's quite normal, as I say, down through the feudal age system, and it's still normal today. Prince Andrew risked losing ambassador job as girl in underage sex case reveals meeting him. It won't happen, actually, because you see, it's, the old laws are all back in, in place for these guys, the old rights of, of uh, imperialism. And it says here, um, it says that York 51 is pictured with his arm around the bare midriff of Virginia Roberts, uh, the mother of three. Spent four years as millionaire's personal masseuse. Uh, as Einstein, this Einstein guy trained her as a prostitute for him and his friends. Serious doubts have been cast on Prince Andrew's suitability to represent Britain. I would say it was she'd been be pretty doubtful when his wife was asking five hundred thousand dollars for interviews with them. Uh, pounds it was actually. Anyway, following revelations that he spent time with a girl of seventeen while she was being sexually exploited by one of his billionaire friends, who obviously started her much younger than seventeen. The Duke of York, fifty-one, um, was pictured around with his armor and the beard midriff of Virginia Roberts, a vulnerable teenager hired to work as an erotic masseur and, and perform sexual favours for American businessman Jeffrey Epstein and his friends. Later she claims Epstein's friend. Uh, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell told her, you did well, he had fun. As he's pimping her, you right? know. So, this says, Andrew, who works for the government as an ambassador for foreign trade, that's big backhanders for that, big money, you know, for every contract. It gets kicked back to you. Remains close to Epstein 58 and stayed at his New York mansion as recently as December, despite the financier admitting to checks uh, child sex crimes in 2008 and being placed on the U.S. Sex Offender Register. Uh, quite the club they have, isn't it? But the full extent of the prince's proximity to Epstein's offices was not known until Miss Roberts broke her silence this weekend. In a civil writ against the businessman, she alleged that her duties included being sexually exploited by Epstein's adult male peers, including royalty. That's quite quite something. It says, even by the rags-to-riches-to-rags mythology of New Yorkers, they always love these rags-to-riches stories. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein's accent and subsequent humbling has been breathtaking the son of a Parks Department employee. He was plucked from obscurity as a Manhattan private school's math teacher by a pupil's father who got him a job on Wall Street in 1976. That's called in, you know, certain connections, you might say, to put it mildly. He rose rapidly at the investment bank Bear Stearns, but left in 81 to sit up on his own, managing the fortunes of clients with $1 billion or more. Enigmatic and mysterious about his business activities, some compare him to the the fictional millionaire, the Great Gatsby, he's only ever identified one of his clients, who was his mentor, the main patron, Leslie Wexner, whose business empire includes upmarket Victoria's Secret lingerie chain. Anyway, um, this is really going nowhere. I'm just mentioning this is the sort of stuff that they actually do, and a lot worse than that, too. I mentioned the British Lord that was caught... um, and there's a, a documentary, I put it in archive section, Two, a, a British lord who loved, um, they call the rough trade, that's the, the poor boys, the guys down from the, the east end of London. He loved to have tumbles with these guys, and he loved to have them defecate on top of a, gla- a glass plate above his head. That was his way of being turned on. But, uh, These are the characters who rule above you and sit on the boards as directors of of these big organizations that are running and planning your lives and taxing the blazes out of you. Uh, These are the characters, folks, who there's just too many of them today, to be honest with you. In past ages, not so many would have survived because tribes at one time, you see, could get rid of the psychopaths that ended up dominating or trying to dominate them. But And that's before they had to see standing armies. Standing armies is a problem because these characters then are in charge of standing armies and they can keep their positions and all the weird stuff they get into to your detriment. Yep, tribalism was the only way. And even then, every chief knew it not to get too big for his books. Or it was over the old clifftop. Back with more after this break.
0: Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
2: Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. Now, this caller is on the line, and I'll see you, but Carlo from Atlanta. If he's there, are you there, Carlo? Yes,
3: hello. Can you hear me?
2: Yes, can. Yeah.
3: Um, yes, I can, yeah. Yes, I I just called again to share a little bit of personal story of mine. Um I had quite an interesting time right before and right after the Super Bowl because uh, over the last couple of months, I've kind of distanced my friends and my girlfriend because I really don't know what to talk about anymore. They, they don't see the things I see. Mm-hmm. And... Um, So uh, I thought it would be a great idea to go to the Super Bowl party and socialize, you know. And I only made it halfway through. I had to leave. And then I came back to work, and my boss and my supervisor are both really good friends of mine. So uh, they set me down, and uh, they tried really hard to get me to come to their reality, you know, back to happy land. And I said, I not feel um, bad or have any anger towards the people that don't, not awake, you know, so uh, that conversation helped me to come back out of my, my hermit state of mind, kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. socialize. It's still difficult, but, because um, I still don't know what to talk to the people about.
2: Yes, Otherwise, yeah, is- I would it's inc- it's incredibly hard. Well, actually, it's impossible for me, but uh, I, I notice how to say hello and goodbye when <laughs> when I meet people in public, and that's about it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I've also noticed um, how very few people actually look each other in the eye and have yes. some sort of reaction. Everyone is in their own little world. They're all rushed. Uh
2: they're all rushed, but I'll tell you they've actually admitted under their studies because, because we're always getting studied by the big boys who give us cell phones and things. Uh, and, and they have found that the youngsters with their Blackberries and all the rest of it uh, are, are, get, are using less and less eye contact now. In fact, they don't know how to socialise in person with other people, and, and that's spreading into the older population too as they get more and more into electronics.
3: Yes, even at work. Uh, chefs, and when we go on site and we cook the um, and we have a, a quick um, most of us step aside and uh, have a quick smoke and mm-hmm. while we're having smoke, everyone whips out their cell phone emailing or streaming, and there's at all for people. Yeah,
2: and, and even when nothing's happening on their cell phone, they're standing with their hand, just staring at it <laughs> it's just astonishing
3: <laughs> Yes, yes, and I had to I, myself and I really had to force myself to stick with a phone that actually just makes phone calls and sends text messages yeah obviously know, there's no need for this mm-hmm. this technology crap. yeah but that's all I just wanted to um, small story again and thank uh, you for I'm going to hang up now and continue listening to your episode
2: okay thanks for calling uh, and there's Steve from Cincinnati there there's Steve hello Steve
1: yeah. Alan, I was raised a Catholic, Mm -hmm. and I had become disgruntled during the period of time when it became obvious that there were so many pedophilic Catholic priests and the Catholic Church was trying to cover it up. So a friend of mine introduced me to, told me that I should become a member of her Lutheran Protestant Church, and I attended her church with her and it became clear to me that the pastor of this church was a homosexual and i was wondering i was listening to a program on rbn just a few days ago called freedom frenzy radio in which a caller called in and said that the he alleged that king james was a homosexual and that the christian church has basically been a homosexual movement uh... and they they The host of the show asked, well, where are you getting this crazy information? And the caller said, well, are you familiar with Alan Watt? Basically getting it from him. And I'm wondering, was he misrepresenting you, or is that basically your view?
2: Well, what we do know is King James of Scotland, the King James Bible... Uh, he, he, uh, gave the, the cash for it to a whole bunch of people. He was, he was called in Scotland. It's in the history books. He was called Shamey Jamie because he loved to uh, chase the page boys around. And, uh, he was interested in boys. There's no doubt about it. He was homosexual in the history books. Uh, we do know in the Catholic Church, um, I've no doubt that would anywhere where there's a lot of men and no women or free women, um, you, you'll find even in an army, by the way, you get a lot of homosexuals going into it. In uh, all ages. However, we do know, even from the testimony of one of the main uh, people who came forward representing the American Communist Party, she was a recruiter, and this is in the congressional record, she was a recruiter, um, for, for young communists, and she helped to decide which, where to put them into government, bureaucracy, whatever. And she said she sent hundreds of the ones who were homosexual into the Catholic, and, and encouraged them to go into the Catholic Church. And that was during the 20s and 30s and 40s, right up to the present, you know. So, so they were encouraged to go to the Catholic Church. There's no doubt about that. And that's why they it, it, it became ultimately uh, a, a majority at, at the high end ends of the Catholic Church. It was, even Malachi Martin came out and talked about that. He wrote about it in his book, a Windswept House, uh, of how uh, there were these organized, literally organized groups of homosexuals and Freemasons too, by the way. Uh, who had their own, uh, little things going on and so on. So it's not just my word for it, it's, it's people who are in the Catholic Church. And, I, and I've got another, I've got, I get letters from guys who've gone into seminaries and they literally get vetted to see what their, their uh, impression or their opinion is on homosexuality. And even the questionnaires are so worded that if you put the wrong one down, you're not accepted. You must be almost uh, all pro-homosexual. In other words, a homosexual yourself now, now to, to pretty well get into it. Now, the Protestant churches, uh, are, 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 are a different kind of prostitute, I'd say, because the Protestant churches in America, especially, are all on board with, with American uh, Zionist movement, George Bush used them to the, to the fullest extent, um, with Rumsfeld. They, they funded a lot of their pastors to be on board with the, their wars, ongoing wars, and to save Israel and so on. And it was really a, a front to get them all on, to, to, back, to get their, their congregations to back them and send their sons off to, for, for, for more wars and that kind of stuff. But you'll find it's through, you understand, um, anywhere where there's robes to be put on, for instance, and dressing up, whether it 's an entertainment or the theater or whatever you always find uh, it 's always been kind of heavy with homosexuality, um, an audience where you can perform uh, and so it 's always been a thing in entertainment for sure as well, and to an extent it 's always the same in, in, in these higher churches uh, it doesn 't say that all churches are the same, definitely not, but there 's no doubt about it in the twentieth century, um, there was a big infiltration. On purpose, uh, by um, what was called at that time the Communist Society, Communist Party, to put more and more people into the church. And down the road, they could then point the finger, and each, when a scandal would break out, and say, My God, here's another scandal, here's another scandal, here's another scandal. And so they were actually putting them into the church and causing the problems.
1: And Alan, can I ask you? I have also heard that people say that this Mohammed, who is the great. Saint of the Muslims was in fact a pedophile.
2: I've never seen the evidence of it, um, and and uh, we, we know he liked women and he did marry one. And uh, I haven't seen the, the, the evidence of pedophilia. There, in fact, if anything, it'd be against all these teachings because uh, in in the Quran, it's it's, it's really a uh, it's, it's blasphemous to go into to homosexuality of any kind whatsoever, or, or child molestation.
1: But I've heard evidence that, in fact, in his real life, he took some sort of eight-year-old, well, maybe pronoun- he was a pedophile, he was taking eight-year-old girls and uh, consummating relations with eight-year-old girls.
2: I haven't seen the evidence of that. There's a lot of stuff, remember, put out by people uh, especially nowadays, we're really whacking at the, the Islam because Islam must be destroyed for this new world order. And I haven't seen evidence of that in anything I've read. You
1: know. Well, if, if you're living, don't you feel that Islam is a threat when all the immigration that is coming in with the Islam, Islamists into no, Canada? Not at
2: all. No, not at all. The, the, the Islam is coming into the countries because they're being encouraged into the countries by those who own your countries. And, and you, you don't own the country. Uh, and that's what they did with Britain too. They, they set up the chessboard back in the 70s to bring the cultures of, say, Britain down by flooding them in with cultures th- that obviously could not adapt in such numbers. People can, If they come in, they, they trickle in, they always adapt to the prevailing culture. So if you want to destroy the, the, the culture at home, you, you flood them into the country. And that's what they did with Britain. And that's what the vice, um, uh, that's the assistant prime minister to Britain, of Tony Blair, said. And I read the article on the paper here. this says we must destroy every last part of the British culture forever. So they're encouraged in, And um, and then, of course, uh, once they've been in the country, of, uh, uh, even if they become predominant in the country, you can't stand up against the kind of entertainment society and education, eventually the religion falls to dust and and that's understood as well
1: Do you you agree though that those in, in Europe who are saying that this influx of Arabs and Muslims into our country do you agree with those who say that this is not good for European civilizations to allow this large influx of Muslims and Arabs into their countries?
2: It, it's not good if you bring too many in the one, at one time into the country. Absolutely, they can't uh, adapt to the to society. There's too many of them. They don't have to. You had the same problem in America when they brought too many at one point of certain countries, in, and, they, and they're still speaking their own language today. Um, so it's the same thing with all big groups who, who are encouraged in. But don't forget, even in Europe, uh, if you go into Germany and other countries, their, their governments were bringing them in and paying them for them to come in, and uh, and giving them jobs. And uh, most of them sent money back home as well. So
1: can I ask you a question? I'm I'm a Scandinavian person in America. Mm-hmm. Well, my grandparents moved, immigrated to America a hundred years ago. If I were to go to try to live or get citizenship in a Scandinavian country today, I would not be allowed in. But why, I would ask you, why are they allowing all these Muslims in and Arab people into Scandinavian countries when mm-hmm. they would deny me a Scandinavian person to yeah. become a...
2: Yeah. You'd, you'd have to ask those who own Scandinavian countries because they're owned but, and not by the people. You see, they're owned by the same people who own the world today. And they get their orders via the United Nations on the distribution of peoples from other countries. They're given quotas to fulfill when Pierre Trudeau was in uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. And Pierre Trudeau, by the way, uh, was a young communist. He, learned, he in 1952, he led, led the Comintern uh, Association of Canada, that's a young communist meeting, over to Moscow. And he became eventually the Prime Minister of Canada, a millionaire, of course, the millionaire uh, um, uh, communist leaders. And when he was in office, he changed immigration to Canada and the, the Toronto Sun published in about 90, 1990 ninety one two and three the, the immigration quotas for Canada, and then they stopped publishing it because the government uh, complained but ninety seven percent of all immigrants into Canada at that time were to be non-white by the law of the land. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. Now there's Dan from California. Hey there, Dan.
0: Yeah, I'm here, Alan. And it's yep. uh, it's good to talk to you again. And uh, after everything you said, I, I'm always so blown away by uh, by what you say. And uh, I was just going to, you know, I have to resist the temptation not to call in every day because it's just it's so great to have a conversation with you. Um, but you mentioned Polanski. And uh, I just watched The Ninth Gate with uh, Johnny Depp (laughs) and uh, just did a little research on uh, good old Roman Polanski and, uh, you know, and all the Manson family and, you know, all of the stuff that these people are into, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you remember me, but my name's Dan. I'm Mm -hmm. from Los Angeles. I've worked in television and video games. Uh, My mother was Eastern Star, and I went to all those Jesuit schools, that Mm -hmm. alternate education that you speak of. And, um, you know, the best way I can describe it from the inside out is cruel and merciless Mm -hmm. um, as a... Um, that it's that's just the way they teach. It's just like a paradigm. Um, yeah, and it's essentially satanic, although they don't see it as satanic. It's just natural. There, yeah. there is, there's no, uh, there's no right or wrong, this isn't really evil, it's just, it's we're humans and we're part of nature and yeah. we just kind of hack
2: people Actually up. what it is, is Kabbalism, is, is and Kabbalism there's no such thing as right or wrong, uh-huh. and I remember watching a, a documentary uh, at a party, it was a party in Los Angeles with producers, all the top ones were there by the way, all the big ones, and each one was asked the same question. It was a Canadian documentary, and they asked if they believed in right and wrong or good or evil. And every one of them gave the exact same answer: that there's no right nor wrong, no good nor evil. It's just uh, the balance, as they called it, which is Kabbalism. They're all into the cabalistic magic stuff, and some they always benefits it, it, to the detriment of others, uh, and that's just nature, as they call it. So moral, and again, moral uh, morals come down to moral relativity with them as well. Everything's relative, no right nor wrong. Anything which a human being is capable of doing is therefore natural, is how they explained it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's not the message of uh, Jesus, That's although that's how it's packaged.
2: Oh yeah, it's packaged that way. You know, the only Jesuit, I I met a Jesuit once, and I was up, uh, I had a, a rock group on the go at the time and um i was visiting someone and uh this jesuit came up with uh just a, a polo sweater and the whole thing to visit a friend of mine across the street and uh that night uh barry who did the jackets for led zeppelin and so on he was an artist he says he'll be in bed with this, this guy's wife tonight i says how do you know he says he always does that this guy was a jesuit he, and i talked to him a couple of days later he was into moral relativity, no right, no wrong. It was just blew me away.
0: <laughs> yeah, I yeah. hear the music coming in, and oh, there's just a hundred different things I want to say, but I guess what I'll just say is just thanks. You know, you say what, you know, is not supposed to be said.
2: That's right. So,
0: you know, we, right. we're not supposed to say these things.
2: Not supposed to say them, nor even think them these days, but thanks for calling. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's soul, with you.